Hello, everybody, and welcome to another very special summer edition of Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. For the Almighty. For the Almighty. Woohoo, woohoo, and woohoo. So, Why, what's the extra woohoo for, love? Well, we are in a very jubilant space as we ought to be, and in a place of kind of sobriety with last week. So, the jubilance, let's just declare it, right? The Sacred Heart of Jesus on Friday. The date that one of the most consequential, truly, moments in all of human rights history, Roe v. Wade, the decision that legalized abortion from conception up through nine months of birth and even beyond was overturned. It was recognized constitutionally that abortion is not found in the Constitution and it ought not be in the hands of nine unelected justices returning the decision to the state. So taking place again last Friday on the the, uh, Feast of the Solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to give it sort of the title, Row Ends, Let Love Begin. Interesting title, right? Row Ends, but that doesn't mean that the battle is over. In fact, it shifts it from systems to individual souls. It shifts it from a focus on an, really uh, an elected elite group of people, certainly in a republic, we determine them and we need to be engaged in that as we always have been. At the heart of the law are individual souls and their awareness of their dignity and the dignity of human life. We have to win the battle, if you will, of people knowing there's unsurpassed dignity as sons and daughters of God. So you asked me a simple question. And I'm just kind of setting the stage tonight for a conversation, and maybe we'll call some people and just uh, get some feedback as to what is this truly earth-shaking moment in history? How do we understand it? And really, how do we really recalibrate our minds and our hearts to recognize that all the more we need to be loving, magnanimously loving to so many people who have been lost in a toxic sea of confusion, of anger, which I experienced to a huge degree this past Saturday. God bless Peter Range and those who have been so faithfully going to our capital care here in Toledo, Ohio. We are confronted by probably a hundred uh, of the most, you know, just vile, driven sons and daughters of God on the other side of the street with their posters and uh, certain gestures and language. Well, on the other side, our side of the street, I was one of a few speakers who were addressing an unfortunately way, way, way too small crowd. The average age was probably 50 or 60. God bless all of us, right, who are getting older. My young, The youngest there was probably my son, John Paul, who is 21. Folks, this is a moment where we've got to step up. We've got to look at this landscape. We've got to recognize it's a moment, an appointed moment in history that God is calling us to be caretakers of our own souls before him. And if that's authentic, if we're authentically becoming aware of who we are and receiving that grace of the sacraments, how can we not be impelled with the heart of our Savior to love magnanimously those around us? I want to get this out also, Steph. I know there's so much to say. I want to pause you like but 14 I, I times know, now. But I got to say this. But I haven't. So go ahead. Any of you right now who knows somebody or you yourself are in a place of crisis in a pregnancy, we Schleters will do everything we can within our means to care for that mother and that child. I know my voice is in a chorus of probably thousands throughout this country, but hear me say that we will 
within every uh, means that God has given us care for you in our home, whatever we can do financially, you are not alone. We are with you. There is no reason to um, feel an undue pressure, if you will, to try to go to some place where you can have an abortion or whatever. Let love live. Let life live. That love inside of you is, you know, may not have been the best of circumstances. You may not have planned it, but Fast forward a year down the road, five years down the road, and celebrate the way many, many, most mothers do who chose to keep that uh, unborn child. My brother who's adopted so many tell me that they are not grateful and you're not grateful for the adopted friends in their lives. Well, this is the precursor to that. This is that moment. We know it's a moment of difficulty, a moment of crisis. We are here to walk with you through that. So, Steph, my apologies. I just had to get it all out there on this theme tonight. Row ends. Let love begin. Perhaps, no need for apologies. Well, if you, um, but so I do want to say something. Please. <laughs> no, I mean, you mentioned it, but I feel like part of the challenge, let me say that, is that it's been just a mention. Like, we truly need to be rejoicing. Mm. And um, I feel... There's the word that I don't like to use, but I feel like it's an answered prayer. And why Mm. do we so quickly skim over it, Mm. right? Like how unfortunate that every church in the land didn't have Mm. some petition during mass or acknowledgments. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank Mm. you, Mm. faithful father, that we are at this point. How many Sundays and weekdays and personal prayers have we lifted that this day occur Mm -hmm. and yet it was crickets (laughs) you know for us and for many others that we spoke with like let our voices resound in praise and thanksgiving i feel like right away we went into defense mode or we right away we um it almost felt like a the narrative, like, okay, you know, we've been pro-baby, now we need to be pro-mother. I pray that we've all been both in this battle over these last decades, Mm -hmm. you know? So, one, let me punctuate. People of God, let us rejoice together in in every aspect. Let us give thanks Mm. and let that continue. Know that the work is not done. Yes, there's so much ahead. But let's not forget about that important piece, which needs to be the foundation. And I I realize that that feeling for many of us also, Greg, you and I talked about this, you know, one-on-one. We were blessed to be with a number of different people over the weekend for various celebrations. Mm -hmm. And it was a common um, mood, if you will, of real heaviness Mm -hmm. for many faithful people who were trying to rejoice, (laughs) who were trying to give thanks, and, and we're doing that. But... It was just very interesting, the feeling of heaviness um, Why was that, that? that people spoke of. I think just seeing so much of um, the pushback, the, mm-hmm. the, the lies about what this meant, the, the vileness, use that word, from Saturday's um, uh, Event, prayer yeah. service down at Capital Care. I think so many people in particular, if you've engaged in social media, um, you know, just the yuckiness that's out there and missing the whole, I mean, it, it it's evil, right? Just so many things that have been saying. So perhaps it's like, okay, yes, but there's, it's such an oppressing thing, mm. the battle that we continue to go in. And it, and it does need to be a choice 
to keep your eyes fixed on the Lord has the victory, right? Mm-hmm. The, in, again, Saturday was the Feast of the Immaculate Heart. Her promise, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. Mm-hmm. So, But to, to see the reality, to see people who shared their stories of in their secular jobs, and I'm sure it's not just in secular jobs, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but the stories that were shared with us of unbelievable um, uh, hatred and... Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to use the simple little kid word of yuckiness, but just that, you know, the pushback and the lies and the, you know, non-recognition of, of the dignity of human life. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of rambling no, now. I don't right. have the words, but just the heaviness of the reality of the, the spiritual battle of good and evil that continues. And so we praise God that in this country, like it has finally recognized what should never have been. Um, and that we know that we are in that battle and that we're able to fight in that battle. Praise God for that too. So we go in with our, with our hands raised in praise, but knowing also that we are still in that battle and we do need to continue to love and continue to fight in this culture of death to bring about mm-hmm. the culture of life. Steph, so there's a lot of misinformation out there. And just to tag some of the significant points, um, This decision, Dobbs versus Jackson, as it's summarized, does not end abortion. It simply turns the decision to individual state legislatures. So many of the states, I think they're perhaps 20, already had some restrictive measures that had had begun to emerge in place. Some of them, there's a term for it that they kicked in once this decision was made. Ohio, I want to say that the day after, maybe Saturday, did have the heartbeat law that went into place. And all of these are not completely restrictive. So number one, it really respects the right order of our just um, three-part branches of our of our um, of our government that the uh, judicial branch is not meant to legislate. That is a key issue. Is not meant to write legislation and laws. And Roe very much looks like legislation. I don't think there's a single honest constitutional lawyer who doesn't recognize that the language of Roe looks again like something that you would have a congressman debating over in the halls of Congress. Um, so it doesn't belong there. It's up to individual decisions within state legislatures to determine that. That's number one. Number two is that um, it does not prohibit abortions, for instance, in the case of an ectopic pregnancy where there's no capacity to save that uh, unborn child uh, in the fallopian tubes that didn't quite make it down into the uterine lining. Um, circumstances where a mother's life truly uh, is in danger and the principle of double effect, there's nothing that can be done to save the life of that child. It doesn't, you know, quote unquote, quote, force a mother into those circumstances. I think some of that heaviness, too, to go back to that is to hear some of our elected officials saying, you know, basically to heck with the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. You know, how can an American say that? (laughs) You know, the January 6th hearings take a pause so that they can call for insurrection (laughs) for the Roe v. Wade decision, you know, and that was kind of like what it felt like, you know, just that that whole double standard and, you know, the calling for violence and the, you know, Jane's revenge stuff and these um, just pregnancy aid centers that are trying to help women, um, you know, just the destruction that's been done to them. I was uh, listening uh, yesterday to a center in, I want to say Portland, Hmm. that's run by a pro-choice Democrat, started this foundation in this clinic for those who chose life. Well, the destruction that came to that you know, to her place. Choice implies options, right? And 
we ought to be looking for common ground all the time. We ought to be looking for what is common. Our deepest desire is to truly be loved and to love. And all of this reveals an absence of knowing that love. At some point, a fissure, at some point, a betrayal of that love that, as John Maxwell so masterfully put, hurting people hurt people. It takes a kind of wisdom, I think, and just genuine love to look at those, if you will, who are caught up in this in any way, whether just uh, privately or expressing it in any way to understand there's something broken deeper. You know, can we have the maturity, if you will, to look at them and really, you know, love them, if you will, to listen to them, to let them share perhaps their anger and their indignation, not to get caught up, if you will, uh, in, at a point where just anger is, is just going to spin the clouds all the more, but do they know we love them? Do they know that we're there for them? That's, I think, point number one. I think point number two is, okay, truly, if it's pro-choice, we ought to bring about a recognition that do we not want to help women who choose to have their child? Are we gathering together? Are we rallying around this idea of many women will choose? And in this case, right, hopefully many, many more will make that choice and not, you know, uh, resort to matters that could be very, very dangerous for them. So can we agree that we ought to help those women to make the choice, those who want to make the choice to have that human life? Because if not, truly, even the word pro-choice truly doesn't work. You said pro-choice Catholic, and I know we play with these terms. But if we're not about that, about helping women who actually desire have the choice to have that life before, during, and after, I think we're falling very short. Um, on the subject of the million-dollar term at the heart of this whole conversation is reproductive freedom, or you hear reproductive rights. So just think about this for a second, folks. I've never met a single person who disagrees with reproductive freedom or reproductive rights. Legally, you're free to reproduce however you want, with whomever you want, presuming it's an age of consent. If you're pregnant, however, you've succeeded. It's no longer a question of a reproductive right. It's happened. You're a mother. So in summary, you're free to reproduce. We're not free to kill. I think we need to find ways of calmly bringing understanding to these key terms that are so easily tossed around and really kind of focus on them. Reproductive freedom, reproductive rights, by all means. Everybody is free. Nobody contests legally. Morally is a different question, but legally with one's right to choose to reproduce. Um, what we contest is that that ends when that life begins, when reproduction has actually happened. So, Steph, for a moment, let's just go back to our own personal stories. I am 54 years old, so born in 67. The decision came down when I was six years old. We lived in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. My parents, Bernie and Judy Schleter, raised the seven of us from our earliest years to be mindful of this. And as we got older, they were appropriate. You know, when I was 10 or 11 years old, I knew they were going to particular events that were showcasing this. My mom early on was very involved in a movement to help women uh, who chose to have the child. And even afterwards, later, years later, she founded Bethesda post-abortion healing ministry to minister to women who were in crisis having had an abortion and even many of the fathers. So our family has always been immersed in the heart of this movement and not simply legally, but with that loving, caring attention to individual souls. My mom would get called, I remember, all hours of the night uh, and be in a place of counseling for women who just needed somebody to speak with. So that's a bit of my story early on growing up. It was a place of, of truly loving, but also advocating writing articles. You know, I remember in our Catholic high school, it was um, 
you know, when I became aware, 10, 11, 12 years old, saw pictures. I don't know if my parents excellent, accidentally left them out, but it resonated to see those photos um, with uh, the movie Holocaust, uh, the series that took place on TV back in those years in the 70s. And Roots, you know, they, they show the images because nothing else can really capture the horror of this reality. You know, if you can't stand looking at these images, we probably shouldn't be tolerating it. And then to see these images and to think, wait, this is happening in our own country, in our own state, in our own city. Um, so at a young age, you know, it really kind of reinforced for me um, a strong desire to, to talk about it, to see it ended. Uh, I was involved in youth and government. I spoke about it in classes every chance that I got when the teachers didn't say, we don't want you to be talking about abortion. But it was really part of the fabric of my being. We went to the March for Life. Certainly um, more, we lived in Oshkosh, so a little distant. But when we moved to Ohio, I want to say there was rarely a year that we did not go to March for Life. And my experience through all of that, you know, uniting with collegians, I found at Ohio College Students United for Life on 22 campuses while I was at Miami of Ohio. And again, the message was, you know, love, 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 have the conversation. Um, the law of the land allowed them to have an abortion from uh, through all nine months of pregnancy and beyond. So it was a message of love and caring and kindness and really welcoming people into a context of that. And there were many tremendous um, glory stories of women and, if you will, fathers who I think uh, through that experience of love came to choose to keep that child. And I don't know a single one who's regretted it. So for me, fast forward, now age, I'm 54. Um, this is 50 years later since the decision. Uh, you know, I, I, jubilation, but also awareness that over the last 20, 30 years, there's certainly something in the culture, there's toxicity in the air that has caused many to think that what we desire is its own good. I'll say that again. I just think it's one of the key areas. What we desire, the, the, the supreme law of most souls today is what I desire is its own good. And you cannot question this. Um, and that is an area that has shown, as we speak of often, Cecil B. DeMille, you really can't break the law, the moral law. You can only break yourself against the law. I've never met somebody who has chosen to go against God's law who hasn't been broken by it. So truth is on our side. And, and this moment before us is one certainly verbally to proclaim it, but all the more to avail ourselves to, to uh, loving others and living it. What was your experience? So I'm one of 12. So we were right there. <laughs> a, mm. a statement of a pro-life family. Um, so just a little bit with that too. I remember my dad in particular speaking of um, just all the negative comments, right? Mm. To having such a large family and some of them rather crude. And um, so just even in that those conversations, his verbal witness to us, whether it was in response to these people or talking about it or whatever, certainly my mom and dad's openness to life in and of itself was a great testimony to us and to um, all those around us. The excitement, um, I was 11th out of 12, so I don't mm -hmm. remember a lot of, uh, <laughs> I was very little, um, with, I thank God for your parents' reproductive freedom yes, being exercised. <laughs> but hearing stories from my older siblings, just the delight and excitement with each pregnancy. Mm. Um, and uh, so my, I have a younger brother, and then um, many of you have heard this story before. But um, our mom was uh, six months pregnant when she and my dad were going to their first March for Life 
1976. And um, just they felt that regardless, they this is something that the Lord was calling them to do. And so they boarded the bus, you know, the late night, they're going to drive through the night and arrive in D.C. in the morning. And um, the uh, they were a couple hours into the ride. It was mm. just after midnight. And my mother um, was called home. She was 39 years old, was not sick. Mm. Um, uh, the baby inside of her, people told us who were on the bus that they could feel the, mm. you know, the baby, you know, kicking and moving and, um, and they weren't close enough to a hospital. They tried CPR on her, the whole thing. And um, so, our dad, you know, lost the love of his life um, mm. on that trip and, uh, you know, came back to raise 12 children age three mm. years old to 17, you know, on his own. And so that in and of itself is a true pro-life story, right? Mm. Um, just my mom, in many ways, a martyr, <laughs> yeah. you know, for the cause. Wow. And yes. um, my dad's continued uh, witness in raising us and... Um, so prior to that, and then after that, we had our family was always involved. Gosh, I just remember being, I want to say dragged, <laughs> but kind of following along, you know, even as a little girl putting um, uh, flyers on cars in parking lots at the church or handing stuff out at different fairs or um, city celebrations. Mm -hmm. um, uh, selling, it was always a big thing, a big fundraiser for the pro-life group in Erie to sell carnations at all the churches, you know, after masses mm -hmm. on Mother's Day. Um, so being involved in that. Um, I remember being little in my the conversations, you know, and prior to my mom's passing, you know, even um, her writing letters, I found one mm. years later, it was on the yellow legal pad that she had um, written to President Nixon after mm. the, the decision, you know, came down. And so there was always a sense of, you know, contacting our politicians and, and speaking out in that way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that just continued through the years. And we, um, I think I was in eighth grade, my first March for Life, mm -hmm. um, which was actually the first one that my dad went back to um, after my mother's passing. And that was significant for me to be with him, you know, because it was, you know, obviously mm -hmm. a, a very heavy thing for him also. Mm -hmm. um, at Gannon, went to Gannon University in Erie and uh, was the head of Students for Life there and, you know, involved in those ways. And, you know, then just through the years, certainly with our own children and and the prayer and the um, praying outside of um, abortuaries and kind of that whole realm. So kind of a little sporadically shared there, but um, so blessed that that was part of our roots, part of our fabric, as you use that word. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just it was just what we mm -hmm. did, you mm -hmm. know, and not to pull the religion card, but in particular as Catholics. Like we have mm. been blessed with the fullness of the truth yes. and a voice from the beginning to consistently stand for life and um and in in all the realms, right? And but in particular for the most defenseless. And so again, talking about prayers of thanksgiving, thank you, Lord, that we have been blessed with that truth, with the families that we were raised mm -hmm, in. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, that's my rambling. No, that's um, formidable, and I think we need to tell our stories because um, stories can't be contested. And this is an age that maybe doesn't necessarily uh, process logic 
as we ought to. We still ought to be a people of reason. We need to recover that. But nobody's really contest stories. And let's face it, um, our beautiful seven children, one of whom is in heaven, wouldn't exist were it not for your parents' tremendous selfless gift of life. Um, and, and herein maybe to maybe pull a logic piece is many of our opponents, again, deceived by the enemy, assail a premise that they themselves need. They assail the very premise that they need. What am I saying here? They assail life. Well, they depend upon life to even assail life. There's a bit of a, a built-in contradiction there. Um, they assail the premise of, a, of objective truth. Like, who are you to say? Um, you're being intolerant. You're being hateful. Well, in that very statement is stating objective truth. So there's, you know, there's a bit of a twisting that has gone on in the minds and hearts of Americans. And we need to find in a loving ways to really address these with people that we love in the right places, in the right contexts, and to really kind of set the platform from one of winning points to winning people. I can say it's very difficult. I'm very competitive, and I got to shift that off, right? I got to turn off that desire to win um, and really enter into what is what is this soul saying, right? What is what is he or she experienced that is bringing them to this place? Stuff that really struck me, uh, again, if you've ever been to Capital Care and by by the way, let this be a rousing call to get plugged into when there is prayer, there are prayer events down, because there are always prayer, faithful events down at our capital care here in Toledo. And all of you find out nearby where is um, a place where abortions have taken place or where people are gathering in prayer. Please, please, please. It is a sacrifice. Please make it a priority. Make it up. Get it on your calendar. Um, invite young people to come. Um, these are occasions really of standing for life, of being united in prayer in a powerful way at the gates of hell, quite frankly. If you only heard the stories of the women and, and the practitioners who converted later on and said they felt the tumult on their practice when people were outside praying, they experienced that. The number of women who just knew when they pulled up their car, um, and there were there were some who were saying, you know, just by their very presence, I care about you. I'm with they may not have understood stood it in those terms exactly, but hey, somebody's coming here, they're across the street, they're peaceful, they're praying. It does make a difference. Um, so I just can't say that strong enough. So anyway, Steph, in the confrontation um this past Saturday, of course, well, I was you know, between moments, I couldn't resist going across the street. And I had my, you know, video camera going, and there was a lot of cameras going. Um, some of them really thought they said you know you're not going to intimidate me he said i i'm really not trying to i just you know you guys made these signs and you know you put some thought into it i just truly want to just capture them and there are different things along with gestures as i had said but one of the persons said young people said you know your daughters must be really proud of you kept saying that your daughters must be so proud of you in such a disparaging way and honestly Everything in me had wished that my daughters were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything in me wished that all three of my daughters would have had the occasion to speak had they asked the questions. And what, what's the point that I'm making? It occurred to me that many of them have not encountered God's dignity in young women or young men. They don't even know that, that perhaps... Um, that souls exist that are young, that have the same temptations as anybody else, but choose good, choose virtue, choose self-mastery, choose to love, and the glory that flows from that. Um, it was interesting because some of them were, you know, trying to be provocative and dancing in certain ways. And I was, by God's grace, just shielded in the yelling. I was unfazed. 
wouldn't you know, it's like they almost calmed down when I when I was exhibiting kind of an unfazedness. Now, maybe it's my 54-year-old gray hair, and I think definitely a sense that I'm not here to be confrontational. I just genuinely want to capture some of this. You know, I have to have a sense that you, us, seeking God's heart, just living in his heart, living in his will, trying to overcome temptations, which is a daily, you know, declaration, living in that is powerful in itself that no one else will see. But to bring that reality into that context, yes, there's the friction, there's the enemy fighting in them, but they've got to confront something of the good within themselves, right? I mean, they're really fighting against God and they're fighting against themselves. And in many of them, I do believe there's a deep-seated hatred, there's a deep-seated anger, perhaps, and let's just acknowledge this, for their family circumstances, for a father who is absent, for rejection. You know, I think we all need to examine, you know, how are we, how can we more fully proclaim this gift of life in the decisions we're making about our marriages, about the time that we spend? You know, this is really, Steph, maybe a bit of a segue um, about even into our movement. Why does our movement exist? Well, you know, because we hold this truth does not mean we're living it fully. In fact, we struggle with it all the time. We know it, but we're not going to presume to erase the goodness and the truth because we struggle with it. Our movement at ilovemyfamily.us is an invitation for husbands and wives and their families to, to more fully live our nature in God. I'll say that again. Our movement is all about husbands and wives and our children to more fully live our unsurpassed nature in God. And how does that happen? We had this conversation stuff yesterday at one of our gatherings with some really dynamic young adults, new parents sitting at the table, great conversation at a graduation party. And uh, I was just delighted at the degree to which them entering into marriage understood that they really wanted their home cultures to be not simply about religion, they need to be about religion, not simply about ritual, good things always have ritual, but relationship has to be at that heart. Most of us have not experienced home cultures where relationship was even understood. Here is an invitation for us to really win, if you will, the pro-life landscape by declaring Christ alive in our homes, by making that time to talk and pray, to interact in meaningful ways, to really truthfully um, give our kids the gift that many of those people across the street at Capital Care did not get. A selfless, loving, I'm going to prioritize you above my work. I'm going to prioritize you above my device. I'm going to prioritize you above everything else. I'm going to do everything I can to try to make time to really connect with what's going on inside of you. I want to ask you meaningful questions. I want to be availed to your meaningful questions being asked of me. I want to make meaningful time to talk and pray. Do we even have the slightest sense from the vantage of heaven, the uber power, the nuclear power that that is with family fully living our nature in God is extremely, is extremely powerful. And I just, you know, I direct you all to ilovemyfamily.us. Make the commitment this week. Can you declare a 30-minute time this week and say families are just 30 minutes of the hours that we have of discretionary time? Can we find 30 minutes to gather together and to talk and pray in a meaningful way. It's a gift that you will probably say, if you do it, um, you will say that that is one of the most meaningful moments we've ever had. And you can find that easy gathering guide at ilovemyfamily.us. So tagging alongside of that, Gregory, we've got a Gregory. Gregory mm. Richard. Am I in trouble? No. I didn't get the middle name. I just gave you the middle name. Oh, Richard? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll play the COVID fog card. Anyways. 
Anyway, so um, just listening to what you just shared, um, I, I get, I don't want to say frustrated, but hmm. so when we speak of pro-life, pro-baby, like we're talking about that, mm-hmm. right? And so sometimes for me personally, right or wrong, I get very frustrated with others, um, uh, not just the people, but the idea of, you know, the broad swoop of pro-life. Mm. And, you know, well, if you're pro-life, you wouldn't say those things. Or if you were um, pro-life, you would be doing this, or you'd be against this, or you'd be for this. Or do you know what I mean? Like kind of that broad swoop. And so for me, maybe it's because it's been so ingrained that that means to to fight on behalf of the unborn, mm. that that's what that is. And all those other things to me, come into holiness, right? Mm, like mm-hmm. those are separate. So don't dismiss or diminish the, what we're called to, to defend the unborn, to to help with the mother, which is part of that, right? Like they're in, in the fathers, right? Um, but the, the other things I think just take away from that or lessen it or mm-hmm. um, try to diminish whatever. So I want to declare that also, that those other things are important. And yes, I want to focus on the call to holiness. So, you know, we've been blessed um, for a very long time, but in particular, thinking of uh, different situations that have been brought to us, people approaching us for um, a listening ear or hopefully some wisdom, certainly prayers. And, you know, whatever the circumstance is, whatever those struggles are, whether they're, you know, with family members or a spouse or children or, you know, fill in the blank with whatever, you know, yes, those things can be addressed with hopefully godly advice. But what it all comes back to is exactly what you just spoke of, Greg, just mm. that uh, relationship at the heart of ritual, that the the whole idea of um, the hierarchy of of holiness, right? So we can't be doing any of these things, whether it's the pro-life stuff or, you know, whatever on our walk in holiness without first and foremost declaring God first in our lives, Mm. you know, in that personal way, taking personal prayer time with Him, prioritizing that regardless of when or what it looks like, but just declaring that time. And then secondly, if you're married, you know, time, you know, your spouse is next, prayer with Mm. your spouse, Mm. time with your spouse, that relationship, building that foundation. uh, family, you know, world, you know, whatever the, whatever our place in life is. And I think so often, regardless of the, the crosses that the Lord has blessed us with or the circumstances that He gives us to grow in holiness that we kind of fight <laughs> mm. through, so often I think the evil one uses those as a distraction of the other things. So I recently was talking to a young wife and mother and, you know, going through a lot of... Uh, different things, you know, outside of her marriage, if you will, um, that she's trying to work through and deal with. And, you know, but just that simple reminder of stay focused on your marriage, Mm -hmm. you know, like keep that as the center, because that's where Satan's attacking with Mm -hmm. all these other, and it wasn't as if there's any evident issue going on right now, you know, with that, but that, that whole thing of, you know, the recognition of those little ways we allow the evil one to come in and distract, you know, no, still 
still be doing your morning prayer, or mm-hmm, your prayer time, mm-hmm. whatever it is, still be praying with your spouse. Make that date night. Don't let all the drama that's surrounding you take away from mm-hmm. that because your foundation needs to be your foundation and you know the 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 solid rock versus the shifting sand mm-hmm. and i think too we too easily make excuses well we need to talk about this or deal with this or figure this out yes yes and yes but first and foremost it's that relationship with the lord and making time and building the foundation mm-hmm. of your marriage mm-hmm. and then you withstand whatever the lord throws your way um and and can be a light in this dark world can be a light and to help love um the others that you may be dealing with, whether it's at work or other family members or, you know, again, whatever that circumstance is. So I just kind of echo in a very rambly way. Today's going to be called Rambly Tuesday <laughs> slash Saturday afternoon. Um, we can rename the show, right? We're just kind of like good, random though. thoughts. Um, but ju- just that whole idea and we know it, but why is it so hard to do? Mm. And so I just want to encourage all of you amidst whether it's the Roe v. Wade thing or frustration with people at work, you know, and dealing with it or on social mm. media, which again has its place done in a holy way. And if you're called there, be a voice mm. in it. Um, don't get sucked into the yuckiness, but speak for truth. Um, you know, whatever those things are, don't allow the evil one to use something that is meant for good to go the other way, mm. right? Like focus focus, focus mm. on your prayer, on your marriage, on your family, your responsibilities where the Lord has called you to, mm. and then it flows from there. Amen. Folks, our movement is at ilovemyfamily.us. ilovemyfamily.us. Please check it out. In fact, become a member, become a partner. Help us help families radiate God to the world. Do we not need to see God? All of us, you know, in prayer. I, I In the middle of the night, last night, I just found myself in the depths of the night, grateful again for Friday, but just feeling like now more than ever, the, the battle's on. It shifted from systems to souls that now, you know, there's a greater lens, a weight of stewardship upon those in our lives to love them all the more and be attentive to them. And, uh, you know, in the middle of that dark night, if you will, it's, you know, we need Jesus. We need to uh, be more deeply anchored in Christ. We need to be more aware of those around us and be his presence to other people. And um, I love my family. Us is all about, you know, living our nature. This is really a battle over identity. Peel back all the layers. It's all about propositions to our identity. It goes back to the garden, right? These artificial, uh, you are, you know, a false artificial sense of strong, or you are artificial powerful. These false just accidents, as they're called in Thomistic thought or Aristotle, not the essence, but the accidents, the peripherals, like things like color or size or weight, those do not define us. Our most essential identity in nature is as sons and daughters of God in Jesus Christ. If we only understood that, and that's only found in family, that's only realized in family. You know, you can be the, as many of us adults, and we ought to communicate this to our kids, we could be the greatest at our work. We could gain uh, so many recommendations or accolades and awards or whatever else, but at the end of our life, regardless of all of that that we've accumulated, die very, very poor in what really matters. Well, right now is that moment, it just, we're echoing this theme, right? God is inviting us to rediscover Him to rediscover him in our relationships. And that means making the time, doing the battle by setting aside lesser things for greater things. It's an exchange of a million dollars for three cents. 
Take your pick. We're holding on to three cents so tightly. We think it's so important. God is offering us the million dollars. We got to make that time to talk and pray. Again, I love my family.us. Folks, you're tuned into Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Our theme is Row Ends, Let Love Begin, shifting from systems to souls. Uh, really uh, chiseling for us all the more the call to live vibrantly this great faith that God has called us to and to claim territory. Another little random thought, may I? Of course. So um, as we speak of prayer also, um, and you and I spoke of this after the road decision was overturned, but just very moved by, um, again, decades of people who have gone before us in the fight, um, many who are now... Uh, pray God, enjoying their heavenly reward, but the Nellie Grays and the Joe Scheidlers and um, Bernard Nathanson and um, just so many pro-life mm. giants um, who really just fought the fight and mm-hmm. paved so much and loved so much mm-hmm. and um, did not grow weary, but persevered and were faithful to where the Lord called them. So in a, in a sense, you know, like a, just rejoicing with them and grateful for their um, blood, sweat, and tears over the the years and years and years of their commitment. Um, so the word prayer, um, random thought, we need to really also be praying for our pro-life leaders, mm-hmm. um, those in, in the front line. Yes, wherever the Lord has us in our sphere of influence, right? And however we can speak um, in defense of the unborn and in defense of these moms and dads mm-hmm. and whoever the Lord may place in our path to help in those ways, whatever we can financially give, right? Mm-hmm. To, in particular, these pro-life organizations now more than ever mm-hmm. who will be um, experiencing a greater need to help moms and dads. Um, uh, so yes, all of those things. Um, but those who will be attacked, you know, our politicians, our pro-life politicians, we need to pray that they stand strong, that they do all that they can, you know, do, you know, on behalf of this cause and, and what that looks like. Um, but I want to highlight also our priests and bishops. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so many people have become wearied by a uh, a lack of leadership, if you will. Again, we hear from so many different people, and this is not to diminish those priests and bishops who are loving and speaking out and not afraid. Um, but you also hear of um, those who, you know, don't want to offend, or, you know, we need to be sensitive to the women in the congregation who have had abortions, or who we don't want them to leave if we say this, or, um, um, you know, those sorts of things. So, praise God, we have not experienced that, but mm-hmm. the um, we need to pray, 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 mm-hmm. pray for our priests that they remain steadfast, that they become even more courageous yes. to speak out and encourage yes. the people in the pews. And people in the pews, encourage your priests with your prayers, but also your words and, and, and back them. And if they are courageous, affirm them because... I'm sure that they, you know, get attacked by others who aren't so excited to hear the message. But priests and bishops, we want to hear you. We want your leadership. Mm-hmm. We want your light in in regards to this issue. And, um, you know, some people say, well, it's an easy issue to, you know, throw out there. It's really not mm. for many people. And um, so we just encourage you. We Absolutely. love you. We pray for you. Um, stay strong. Be vigilant. Be our leaders. Be our light. Amen. I want to segue into Friday, 
in the first reading. So again, um, it was the solemnity of the sacred heart of Jesus. Could there have been a more appropriate day uh, than, to, than that day for this decision to have come down? And we were listening a little bit to Glenn Beck, uh, once a Catholic, always a Catholic. We pray for his return. But even he was acknowledging yes, that. And he, he was gave affirming, the shout out <clears throat> to the sacred heart of Jesus. <laughs> and Catholics, how awesome is that? Yeah, and affirmed the Catholics' fights that where the church has been. And also, yes, it was Friday, the Feast of the Sacred Hearts, but every year that the that feast does not fall on the 24th, um, it's the feast of, Greg, would you like to say? John the Baptist. Your guy, yeah, your absolutely. dude, your confirmation, confirmation guy, name. your favorite saint. Um, and how awesome is that, that on that feast of the the little tiny baby inside mm. of St. Elizabeth's womb mm. acknowledged life in our Lady's womb. So just that whole pro-life tie-in to is so beautiful. There's nothing coincidental, only providence. So all the more to echo that, the very first reading was from Ezekiel chapter 34. And the prophet Ezekiel is writing at a time where the ecclesial leaders of the day had failed. Um, and as a result of their idolatries, as a result, in spite of the tremendous wonders and signs that God had performed in delivering them from Egypt, they become lax. They become comfortable. They started worshiping, again, other gods, other idols. And as a result, God in his love, you know, every, again, we can't break the moral law. We can only be broken against it. They were exiled uh, by a foreign nation. The northern kingdoms were totally exiled, leaving only Judah in the south. Um, and the people, of course, were languishing. They were in this land. They were uh, expatriated, if you will, and um, suffering in every single way and wondering, where is God? I might say that it was a small little image of what many of us experience today. We're in a land that maybe sometimes we don't recognize. We're in a land that does not correspond to what many of us experienced growing up, of fundamental values of what it means to be a man and a woman in marriage, of what it means to be patriotic, of what it means to be a nation that is meant to be a light on the hill. And I'm not holding up and uh, is is perfect. Our country has made some very strong missteps. Um, but in general, in the Constitution, the fabric is clearly, uh, as Churchill said, the worst form of government except for all those other ones that have been tried from time to time. Our Constitution is a beautiful document that presupposes nature and nature's God. So anyways, Ezekiel 34, the prophet is speaking to the people and consoling them in the failure of the religious leaders. And at the same time, it would have been their political leaders because they were one and the same. It was a theocracy, basically. And uh, listen to these words from Ezekiel that I think speak to us today. Again, this was Friday's first reading at Mass. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will look after and tend my sheep. As a shepherd tends his flock, when he finds himself among his scattered sheep, so will I tend my sheep. I will rescue them from every place where they were scattered. When it was cloudy and dark, I will lead them out from among the peoples and gather them back to their own country and pasture them upon the mountains of Israel, in the lands, ravines, and all its inhabited places. In good pastures will I pasture them. There's more in the reading, of course, but just the end. The lost I will seek out. The strayed I will bring back. The injured I will bind up. The sick I will heal. By the way, folks, uh, this uh, beautiful prophecy through Ezekiel, you know, 600 years B.C., um, 
is our rallying cry today that we ought to hear the voice of God telling us what he wants to do and what he will do. And oh, by the way, the beauty of Catholicism is God works through us. It is his voice through us that is speaking to people about seeking out the lost, about injuring, about binding up the injuries and healing the sick. He empowers us, ennobles us to be his church, to be that presence to others, certainly by simple voices, but as Stephanie and we're punctuating throughout this whole program, breaking through whatever fogs, inertia, resistance we may have in our own homes to those closest to us to make our homes those places of ever-deepening encounter. Can you say yes to that even now in your desire? Maybe you're going to struggle with what follows this desire, but can you at least right now in your heart with me, wherever you're at, say, yes, I want that. I want my marriage and home to be a place of ever-deepening encounter with Christ. I want to know him alive. I want my children and my family to know that God is real, that his power is being outpoured, that his healing mercy is flowing. And oh, by the way, that we might radiate to all those around us, not just externally or going through the motions. No, but this vitality of the Holy Spirit alive in us to radiate to others that they can't help but ask, what's up with you people? Tell me more. I want more of that. Show me where I can get more of that. And perhaps even then we'll take the step beyond our praying in our own homes of inviting them into our homes to talk and pray. Hello. Grandma, or otherwise known as my mom, and is my dad there also? He's, you know what we just did? We're sitting on the deck drinking coffee, and we just finished listening to your entire program with the three men and found it wonderful. We were just talking about it. Well, fabulous. It's a good shout-out. Well, guess what? Hello, hello. There are very few, Mom, that we know and Dad have the courage to be live on a radio program to the masses. But we knew in this program tonight, as we're talking about Roe v. Wade, and we're talking about Roe ends, let love begin, that it shifts from systems to souls. And um, you have been giants. You, Dad, have were instrumental in the closing of over 20 abortion clinics when you were working in the Taft administration. Uh, Mom, of course, Bethesda Post-Abortion Healing Ministry. We had a whole program about that. We will link to that in the show notes for those who want to hear the fuller story. Most consequentially, you gave us the tremendous witness in your marriage and our family. And uh, uh, this past weekend um, with a wedding a couple weekends ago, um, parents of uh, grandparents of over 50 kids. So all of that. Yes, yes, yes. We're so grateful. Let me ask you just on the you and dad, what was your experience when Dobbs came down on Friday? This has been on the hearts of both of us since 1973, is this ever, ever going to happen? And um, lots of bumps, lots of heroes, lots of wisdom, lots of mistakes, lots of lack of knowing the enemy mm. as Satan, lack of, lack of a, a willingness to be uh, prayerfully leading, guiding, and gathering to group, gathering groups like you gathered to have common conversations about where, where do we go from here? Uh, I'd like, can I add just one little story Absolutely. You take as much time as um, you would like. Oh, thank you. So I'll, I'll put Bernie on in just a minute. But in 1973, um, the day after, on January 24th, uh, a priest from Lewis Academy, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, gathered five mothers together. In brief, he said, we priests can't do it alone. Will you jump in? And this will not be an event like a fundraiser. This will be a lifetime assignment. So from that progressed 
very quickly to gathering more people. Dad was CEO of the Catholic Hospital at the time. He uh, encouraged his social working department and his pastoral team to meet with We Five Women. We, we, we Five became 15. And the 15 of us, there was no such thing as cell phones or whatever, but we worked with existing uh, expertise, expertise, and we worked with the hospital uh, switchboard. And they patched us. We took, we took shifts of 12 hours at a time, we mothers, uh, day and night, to release our phone number, which was a hospital phone number at the time, to the number at the switchboard who would send people who are troubled to those of us who are in call and needed to have some content and support uh, for Beautiful. their sorrow and having an abortion experience or what to do or how to get beyond this. So fast forward, for about three months this continued. We finally were given an office by burning the hospital. And mm-hmm. our office was right next to the Rape Crisis Center in the mm-hmm. basement of, of Mercy Medical Center. And we had just had a radio program with questions mm-hmm. and answers. And there were four of us in the group who had had professional backgrounds, social worker nursing. And the first call came in saying, I want to meet with you. And I'll, this is very poignant to everything that's happened since that time. So in came a woman who had had a date rape in college mm-hmm. and was struggling and suffering with date rape and she talked, I listened, um, she was open to my praying with her. And after that, I said, why did you walk past the rape crisis office and come to this office? Mm. Wouldn't it have been natural to have gone there first? And the woman said to me, it's because it's my soul that hurts. Mm. And I would say that is our response to all of this today. The women who are grieving, who are re- reacting, they're doing post-traumatic stress behavior. And what they don't know is it's not going to be fixed by more negative action. It's their souls that are hurting. And that's our call. Mm. However that works itself out, that's our call. And Dad just left to answer the other phone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm very grateful that you picked up the phone at the end of this program tonight, Mom, and punctuating this. And um, throughout this program, Stephanie and I <clears throat> have just definitely been acknowledging that now more than ever, we need to rediscover and more fully live our unsurpassed identity in God who made us for himself, who wants us to live that vitally as the first and fundamental pro-life action, and obviously extended to our spouse, overflowing to our families. Uh, to a large degree, a lot of this we need to acknowledge has been maybe the failure of of marriages and families prioritizing what this tremendous trust and gift God has given us in our marriages and families and living that fully. So um, thank you so much, you and dad, for giving me and for giving us that witness and for continuing to fight. And uh, I know we'll talk to you real soon. I love you, mom. Love you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for calling. Keep up the good work. Thank you. You also. God bless. Doesn't get better than that. Amen. Like real deal witness, both your mom and your dad. And let me just add to my story, the the great blessing of marrying into such an incredible family mm. um, who uh, walks the talk. You know, um, I remember it wasn't long after we were married um, that your parents, and I'm sure it wasn't the first time, took in an unwed mom and gave her a place to stay and, mm. and allowed her to be there um, for quite a while, even after the baby was born, until she kind of got on her feet. Mm. Um, and I, you know, when we would go and visit the multiple calls um, that your mom would get, and mm. certainly your dad's 
um, involvement on so many levels, including Ohio Right to Life. And um, so just a shout out and great gratitude to them and and to God that he um, allowed me to be part of such an incredible family for many, many reasons. But none of uh, the least is the commitment to the pro-life cause on behalf of Mm. the unborn and their moms. Folks, row ends, let love begin. Love in our hearts, authentic love. And love is not just a feeling or an emotion. Uh, Love is the person of Jesus Christ. And he made us for himself. And uh, he just calls us to that relationship, to make that time to cultivate it. So, you know... Let's just commit to exercising the most fundamental act uh, of love, which is prayer, and to make that commitment every day, each of us, to really make time to encounter him. Um, let him encounter us all the more. Uh, that, you know, that he is the currency of our joy and our delight in this life, and really the measure of the degree to which we're going to have happiness in this world. Nothing else is going to satisfy. He made us for himself. So with that, let's conclude in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, you made us for you. Inhabit these hearts of yours. May all the shadows and clouds and darkness dissipate and flood us with the light of your love. Flood us with an awareness of your presence. Re-inhabit these souls you made for you. And Lord, may we be mindful that you give us your heart for others. Give us your heart for our spouse, for our children, our brothers, our sisters, those whom we work with. Give us your heart for them. Give us the virtue. Forge us in virtue and flood us with grace to be your presence to them. Healing, loving, magnanimously loving presences to them. Lord, we just want to declare your kingdom. You are alive. You suffered, died, rose again, and poured forth your spirit that the whole world would come to know you fully may we do our part and realize our our ground our battleground is right in front of us it's where we're at right now help us to claim it for you we ask all of this in your name through christ our lord amen Amen. in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen Amen. so blessed to be with you on the journey tonight folks Uh, if you want to find out other episodes go to igniteradiolive.com again we can't say strongly enough join us on the journey we are families discovering proclaiming living and building the kingdom and uh, it's so awesome to do it together find out more at ilovemyfamily.us until next time god God bless bless you 